The Paranormal Perception Halloween episode is brought to you by Alien Soda Company for all things out of this world. Paralink.com American Ghost Walks and CoffinCode.com Makers of coffin-shaped wireless phone chargers. This is the 2023 Paranormal Perception Halloween episode. Come on in, relax, and stay a while. We've got a few stories to share with you. Here are your hosts for the Halloween episode, Henry San Miguel and Crystal Arona. And we are here. Welcome to our favorite time of the year. That rhymed. I didn't even mean it to. But welcome to Paranormal Perception, the Halloween episode. Both of us are here. Both of us meaning Crystal. Hey, everyone. Hi, everyone. And me. You know who I am. But here's what we're going to do. You hear the storm behind us. We're going to open the windows a little bit because it's been hot. We wanted to feel like fall now. And this is what we're going to do. We're going to do what we've always done on the Halloween episode. We tell scary stories. Usually they come from all of you. This year, because we had so many things going on with OC Paracon and then the virtual OC Paracon, we just didn't have enough time to to gather all the stories from you. We will do it again later this year. I think you regulars know what I'm talking about. I'll talk about it at, at the end of this episode, and everybody will know what I mean. But for this one... We all have stories. I have some stories from some of our some of our past listeners, but especially for some guests. And Crystal has some that you want to share. Also, they're not these are not alien ones, right? No. <laughs> yeah, these are going to be actual spooky ones. So tell you what, we can do this because it's our show. Let's let's have you kick everything off. So pick one of them and go ahead and start with that one. All right. Well, these are both really scary, but I'll start off with the one that is less scary. Still scary, though. This is the story about Miss Beasley, the haunted doll. If the name sounds familiar to some of you, well, that's because Miss Beasley, the doll of her was a character from a show. And I don't really remember what show that was. It's a show that my mom and her siblings used to watch back in the 60s or 70s and Miss Beasley was a really popular doll that kids would collect from this television show and my mom really really loved that doll she had one when she was a kid so a little over a year ago my uncle my mom's brother got her a surprise a doll of Miss Beasley that he had found when he was out doing um, vintage antique shopping He found this doll at a shop and it was the Miss Beasley doll and he wanted to surprise my mom and she was so happy with the doll. Now, personally, I thought the doll was pretty ugly and creepy looking, but that's just me. And my mom took the doll home to her house and um, she even had her own room for the doll in her guest room and it just looked so I guess it did look cute in there with all the decorations and stuff, the way that she has the room set up. Kind of old style, just giving you a visual of what what the room looked like with this doll. So, jokingly, I started posting the doll on my Instagram stories every time I would go to my mom's house to visit. And I would put creepy music and I would just lead up to the room 
kind of like tales from the crypt like you're going through the house um pov style and then you see miss beasley the haunted doll that's why i started calling her guys but really at that point nothing had really happened yet with the doll i was just doing it you know for fun and to freak people out but I actually got a lot of feedback from my followers telling me I don't like that doll. There's something evil about that doll. I sense something, just a lot of feedback like that. And I I would just say, well, you know, I don't know. Nothing's really happened. Maybe she's just creepy looking. Well, about a month later, I decided to take a selfie with the doll. My first selfie with Ms. Beasley. That's what I titled the picture. Again, I posted it on my Instagram story. Well, I didn't think anything of it. Me just being silly, made the post and boom, 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 boom. So many replies to this picture and people telling me, oh my God, the doll's looking right at you. No, it's not. How is that possible, right? I go back and look at the picture. I just got the chills on my arm. The doll's eyes were pointed directly at me in a diagonal direction, like admiring me from the corner of her eyes. This doll, I forgot to mention, her eyes were painted on. It wasn't the dolls with the googly eyes that move around or that you can manipulate if you move them. The eyes were actually painted on with her looking forward, usually. But in the picture, she was looking up at me And you guys can actually see the picture if you go to my Instagram and look at my highlights. It's in there like under, uh, uh, I I didn't even have a name for it. I just put a creepy doll emoji with a knife. That's Miss Beasley, the haunted doll. So go check that out. You can see the picture of her looking right at me. This is when things started really getting creepy with the doll. So now there is some stuff happening, right? And uh, I mentioned it to my mom and, you know, she just kind of laughed about it. She didn't say, you know, whether she had any experiences with the doll or not. And I just continued to go over there and do my Miss Beasley posts whenever I'd visit. But now I would be a little more creeped out and not really doing it jokingly. I'd be like, hey, guys, do you guys see anything? Like, now let's really look at this doll. So a couple other things happen. One time I was over there spending the night with my mom. She stays upstairs. Miss Beasley's room was downstairs. Uh, we woke up and I went downstairs to get coffee for my mom and I, and she was upstairs in her shower. I go down there, open the door. You guys, it smelled horrible. It smelled like diarrhea. And I thought my mom's dog did diarrhea. So I'm like, oh man, I'm going to have to clean up this mess. Right. So I'm looking around the house and I can't find the dog anywhere. And I also couldn't find the diarrhea. Well, I like to can Sam. I follow the scent with my nose. It leads to Miss Beasley's room, you guys. I open the door and I see the doll sitting there on the bed like she usually is. But I can't even explain it to you. It's not like she was, you know, looking at me weird or anything like that. But it just felt so ugly. I felt like, ew, this doll was responsible for that horrible, horrible smell. Um, I went to go tell my mom right away. But I brought her back downstairs as soon as we got downstairs, the smell was gone. There was no diarrhea smell. So um, now I'm really getting skeptical of this doll. 
the last incident that I allowed to happen at my mom's house with this doll was uh, a few months ago. I was house sitting and um, my mom had put the doll away because now that she's heard me tell her a couple of these stories about the doll, even though she hadn't had her own experiences, she, she trusts me by now. And she's like, okay, I got to make plans to get rid of this doll. So she took the doll off of the bed and she put it in the closet of the guest room. Well, I'm house sitting and I don't know why some things like Crystal go check Miss Beasley's room. Well, I don't know why, but go check. So I go to Miss Beasley's room, guys. I knew that my mom had put her in the closet on top of a table. I open the closet. Well, there's not a door. There's like a curtain. So I open the closet curtain. Miss Beasley is nowhere to be found. I look down. Something tells me look down. She's flipped upside down, wedged in between a table and a chair. The table that she was on top of where my mom put her. And she's upside down. So I contacted my mom. Hey, I'm sorry you're on vacation, but did you drop Miss Beasley or did you throw? It looked like the doll had been thrown, honestly. I thought my mom got mad and threw it or something. Hey, mom, did you do that on purpose? What happened? And she's like, no, I left her right on top of the desk laying there. Now, if we had an earthquake or something like that, that would explain why Miss Beasley was shoved or thrown or tossed to the ground the way she was or between wedged between that chair. But nothing like that happened to explain it. So that's when I yanked the doll out of the house and I now have possession of it. I've, I've not brought her into my own house. And um, I was actually going to share her at OC Paracon, but I decided not to. And what I did decide is to ship her off to a proper home for dolls like herself. And she's going to a haunted doll collector who keeps um, haunted dolls and objects in a separate building in cases. And I think that's probably the best place for her right now. So goodbye, Miss Beasley. That's the story of Miss Beasley, the haunted doll. Hi Henry, my name is Gina. Thank you for allowing me to tell you my ghost story. So I've always been surrounded by spirits. Growing up, it was always normal for me to hear and see things that others couldn't. It was always more of your tame hauntings though. You know, the spirits were friendly, sometimes even protective. There was never really anything that frightened me. That is until 2016. That's when my husband and I started seeing dark shadows and feeling a heaviness around us. There was an incident one night where my husband had long fallen asleep before me, but for some reason I was restless. So I was trying to fall asleep, but all of a sudden I felt somebody hit me in the back of the head really hard. I turned over to yell at my husband because, well, I mean, he was the only one in the room beside me, so I thought it was him hitting me. But to my shock, he was sound asleep. Not long after that, we were laying in bed again, but this time we were wide awake. We were watching TV and playing on our phones, and all of a sudden, the bed slammed up against the wall. We both looked at each other in shock, and right then and there, we decided it was time to find out what was going on. So we found a local paranormal team, and they came out and investigated our house. They did an EVP session, and in that session, they got a deep male voice asking, Is the bitch gone? That night, we sat down and had a little talk with that dark entity, and we told him in no uncertain terms that no, the bitch was not gone. 
In fact, she was staying right where she was at. This was our house, and we were not going anywhere. We told him that he was the one that had to go. And from that night on, we never had another scary moment again. It went back to your normal, everyday hauntings. Thanks for letting me tell you my story, Henry. Bye. Hey, my name is Christy. Um, I was part of the crew for OC Paracon, and I work behind the scenes uh, at Paranormal Perception, helping Henry. Um, I actually have a story from Taiwan, because that's where my family is from. And um, my mom actually really hates ghost stories, and she hates talking about these. But there's one that I think uh, kind of sticks out, and it, it's kind of made its way on Reddit and stuff. but. Um, the way she tells it, uh, it actually happens where my dad is from in the middle of the country, uh, in the mountains. And if you know anything about Taiwan, it's an island country and they have like really common like typhoon season. Um, so it gets very wet and very rainy. Um, and there was one evening around like midnight and there was a taxi driver who was driving through one of the mountain roads um, that are like, they're kind of like cliffy and there's like it's just like it's not the safest but he was kind of on his way back from like another trip that he had just dropped off um and he saw a girl in a red dress kind of like walking along the side of the road kind of like she got just caught in the storm um so he he stopped and he asked her if she needed a ride and she said yes and asked if, she, if he could take her home um so she told him where she lived and he you know drove her home and um, they had like a really nice little conversation uh, and then when they got there she told him that she actually wasn't carrying any money on her but to wait in the car and she would go inside and then come back out to pay him um, he so he you know he said he said okay and he sat in the car and he waited um, like 10 minutes 15 uh, and then eventually he decided to get out of the car and just go and check to make sure that she got inside okay and that everything was all right um, because she never ended up coming back out. And so he knocked on the door and uh, a really frail old man ended up answering and um, the taxi driver explained the situation, explained the little girl um, and that, you know, and just wanted to check and see that everything was okay. And the old man, you know, was really nice and he... Um, he, he asked the taxi driver to wait there and he went back inside. He kind of like, you know, he was old, so he kind of waddled a little bit. Uh, we went back inside and then he came back out with money to pay the taxi driver. <clears throat> and then he explained to the driver that his daughter had actually passed away um, years ago and that it was okay. It was it, like, there was nothing he did wrong, um, but his daughter passed away and he thanked the driver for driving her home again because that was something that she had been doing ever since then. So uh, that's the story of the girl, with the little, the little girl with the red dress from Taiwan. Hey Henry, this is Ryan and Brenda Woods from Shaslick City, California, um, and we had the opportunity to meet you, and we are big fans, as you know, and we are here to share our haunted house story. Yeah, so we rented a house together. It was the first house we rented together. Um, and it was on a ranch, a big cattle ranch. 
20 acres or something. But um, yeah, we moved in, I think it was actually like November 1st or 2nd when we moved into this house. Um, it was a, originally it was built by a wealthy family. It was an apple orchard and they wanted to turn it into a cattle ranch. So they um, used all the resources off the land and built this house like in the early 1920s. Yeah, it was like one of those two-story Victorian, well, I, I don't know if it was Victorian, but it was a two-story house with a basement. The furnace was in the basement where you had to build the fire to heat the house. And like every wealthy family at that time, they had like servants and the basement was a huge basement and that was the servant quarters. It was kind of just a skeleton left of what was there before. You could, all the rooms, it was all stone and concrete and you could see the rooms and that's where the furnace and they had a, um, a dirt area that I think was like a cellar that uh, was very creepy. They had like, um, we went in there a couple times and they had like old wine bottles and stuff that was unopened and we just didn't, we didn't disturb it, we left it there, but it was just one of the creepiest places. Matter of fact, it was so creepy that we ended up blocking it off with pallets and cardboard. Yeah, we tried to walk back in there a couple times just to see what it was, but you just felt like that was like off limits. It just felt weird. Didn't feel right crossing the threshold and you just left it alone. I mean, it could have been a cellar, but it almost was like it was unfinished. And uh, and then all that stuff was just left there. Yeah, it was kind of just like a uneven dirt floor. Kind of strange. Yeah, so, um, so to go to the first day that we moved in, um, Ryan ended up being sick. So me and my two girls had to move some stuff in on our own and stayed there the first night by ourselves. Um, so kind of nightfall came. We decided we were gonna stay upstairs because like the house is off the road and you're out in a pretty quiet area. Neighbors aren't real close. We lived on a creek. And then you had all the cows, which were kind of creepy in itself because they were big. But at nighttime, it just got creepy. So we got our food and whatever snacks we were going to have and we were going to go up into the one one of the bedrooms to watch TV and stay there for the night. So we get in there and we get all settled and then I realize I forgot something. So I go to leave but the door was shut um, and it was locked. And it was locked from the outside and I could not get it open. And you know, it didn't matter what I did, I jiggled it. There were no, no screws or anything and I didn't have a screwdriver to unscrew it try to get out or to try to jimmy it open it just was not opening so we had to call Ryan yeah I remember I got kind of like a frantic phone call uh, late at night and I was about 20 minute drive away so I got over there as quick as I could and it was one of those like you know old school you know 1900 style doorknobs with the the key that was like a skeleton key so it's not like they could just lock themselves in but I had to like disassemble that bedroom door to get them out of there. That's how locked in there they were. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But we, uh, you know, that the house just had a kind of a strange feeling. It was never like super scary, but had kind of a strange feeling. Just, I mean, the decks on the outside, a lot of windows, living out in the country gets really dark at night and just kind of, kind of creepy feelings. And, Upstairs, there's these small doors. Um, they kind of call them the midget doors because they're only about two and a half, maybe three feet tall, but as wide as a normal door with a doorknob. 
and that opened up into like crawl space in between the bedrooms upstairs where you could store stuff. Um, we never stored anything in there because it was just kind of creepy in there, but those doors would open on their own every once in a while. Yeah, and you just never felt like you were alone. Like you always felt like there was somebody with you. And anytime you went down to the basement where the furnace was to build a fire, um, you always felt like there was somebody sitting right on your shoulder, like almost like breathing in your ear. And you you just kind of freeze up and stand there and you're just like, okay, I got the dog with me, I'm safe. I'm gonna just build this fire and I'm gonna get back upstairs. And you would do that really fast and you'd run upstairs and you'd slam the door shut. And it was almost like whatever it was would follow you up the stairs. You just had that, that weird, like they were either gonna grab your arm or <laughs> yank you backwards down the stairs. And it was, it was, it was pretty unnerving. Yeah, yeah, I mean, and, and we lived in that house for a year. It was a year long lease. And when our lease was up, the owner wanted to move himself and his family back into the house. So um, we had to move out and um, in the process of moving out, you know, so strange things happened, you know. Um, how would you describe that that physical part of that house, like the upstairs? So, th so the house itself was almost like if you're watching the Amityville Horror Show, you know, they had that, the one window where you always see somebody standing and, you know, the, the roof, roof was pitched and it was just one small window. And there were times, you know, that you'd be leaving the house and you'd, you'd look back something was telling you to look back and you kind of glance back and you would catch something out of the corner of your eye and you're like okay i'm not looking anymore because i know there's somebody standing up there and it was just it was that room and that was a creepy room anyways i mean it was designed really odd and um the paint in there was that was dark it was kind of a dark room um compared to the other rooms in the house yeah yeah but yeah that kind of the quintessential scary house window you know but so we're, we're moving out and i have a friend of mine who's helping me move some furniture and we have a computer desk and the only thing on top of the desk is an old school telephone like uh, an analog i guess you call it telephone where no batteries no plug no power it's just you plug the telephone cord into the wall and that gives you dial tone well the cord was a long cord and it was wrapped up around the phone and the phone was sitting on the desk um, the second we picked up that desk to walk it out of the bedroom, it started ringing the, a bell, you know, original bell type phone. And it was ringing the whole time I was unwrapping the cord because I was going to answer it. So I answered it, said hello, didn't hear anything, no talking, no dial tone, nothing, just very creepy. So it's kind of wadded up the cords and stuck it back on the desk. And my friend and I were like, okay, we're just going to get this out of this house as quick as we could. So we got the desk out. We put it in the back of my pickup truck walked back up the stairs to the porch and the world's biggest hailstorm started. And it was like crazy, you know, storm of the century hailstorm going on where we were standing. And I, you could look out into the pasture where the cows were, green, sunny. You can look over to the ranch hand's house about 100 yards away, green and sunny, very strange. It was just hailing right where we were on top of that house. and. The surrounding area nothing else the pastures the roads everything else was dry and it lasted about a minute or so and as soon as that hap that hailstorm finished yeah we were out of there packed up the last couple things we had outside and i went back the next day yeah so i also went back earlier the next day and i had to 
finish up some things upstairs and um, checked all the midget doors to make sure that my kids hadn't, you know, stuffed anything in there and uh, locked it all down. But the whole time was just unnerving. You just, it was like a feeling that there was somebody there that didn't want you to leave. And they weren't like angry. It was almost like a sad, like kind of a, you're abandoning me type of feeling that you would get. And uh, so I locked down all the, all the little midget doors and the, you know, the locks are pretty tight so they can't just pop off or unlock themselves or you know even if you were to bump them they wouldn't come open that easy and I go back downstairs and I hear this bang and I'm like oh my god now I gotta go back up there and I'm like freaking out at this point because I'm by myself I don't have the dog I don't have my kids you know there's no other choices to haunt except for me I'm the only one there so I kind of slowly walk back up the, the stairs and I peek around the door and all the midget doors are open and I just locked him up again real fast, and I just left. <laughs> and again, you know, you're having that feeling like somebody's watching you drive away. And you want to look back, but you know that you're going to see something. And, and you just don't, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, I ended up going back later on that evening, kind of dusk time. And I drove my pickup truck to the back of the house, went into the basement where I had the last of the four or five boxes we had. Uh, just myself and the dog. Um, I loaded up the boxes in the truck, uh, turned the lights off to the basement, and I closed the basement door. The second I closed that door and it latched, the light turned back off. A little bit creepy, but, you know, wanted to go in and make sure it was okay. So I went in, I actually took the dog with me. We walked through the whole house, checked everything, got all the lights and everything buttoned back up, loaded up the dog in the pickup truck, and turned the truck around, hit the driveway and the dog is barking all the hair on his back of his neck is up and he is barking like he wants to get something so I looked over my right shoulder and right at that kind of creepy window at the top of that second story was a black silhouette of a you know shape of a person head and shoulders all black and it was you know you hit that adrenaline rush and you just pedaled in the metal I took off down the driveway didn't even look for traffic turning on the highway. Just got on the highway and that was it. I wanted to get out of there as fast as I could. Yeah, and as far as the girls go, you know, my oldest daughter, my youngest daughter, um, my youngest daughter stayed in a room that was like long and rectangled. We called it the bowling room. And she would get scared in there. She, she would always take the dog in there and she said she would just roll up in her blanket and then just not ever face the door. And then the other room, my oldest daughter stayed in and that that was where we would see that figure and that was you know like i said that was the darkest room in the house and um you know after moving out you know my daughter began to suffer some very severe mental illness and i always wondered if there was some kind of if she got an attachment in that room because it, it was a scary room and you know they didn't say much about it but occasionally they would talk about it yeah and i i went back the following day to turn the key into the to the property owner and and I asked him if the house had any kind of activity or was haunted or anything. And he kind of gave me a weird laugh and said, well, what were your experiences? So uh, I took that as it's happened before. So I explained all the things that we had experienced. And he told me he experienced some things in there. And then specific story that he said is that he had a, some friends over and they stayed the night. and. They stayed in the room, the same one that Brenda and the girls had got locked into. The bowling room. <laughs> the bowling room, as we call it, because it was so long. And uh, 
his friend had woken up in the middle of the night, almost like one of those paralyzed experiences where he was stuck in the bed, felt like someone was holding him down and had their hand on his neck. And that specific friend never stepped foot in that house again. And uh, some other friends of ours had actually rented that house um, years prior. And they also had experiences in there, specifically with those little midget doors opening all the time. So there's definitely activity in there. And all the stuff that happened right at the end of when we were moving out, all the major stuff, kind of chalk it up to like, they didn't want us to leave. Yeah. Yeah, they didn't want to. Yeah, they wanted... They didn't want to be lonely anymore, I guess. Yeah. And I miss the house itself because it just was, it was 100 years old. It was a cool house, a perfect house to drink iced tea on the porch. But yeah, I don't miss that house at all. <laughs> <laughs> Not staying in it. You miss it, you don't miss it all at the same time. So yeah, so that's our uh, haunted, scary house story. So thank you for letting us uh, share with you our spooky story. Hey, what's up, Henry? This is Trent from the Geek Off the Street podcast. Uh, I'm here to tell you a quick uh, paranormal story about uh, about an experience uh, in uh, my family. Uh, so out in La Mesa, New Mexico, uh, my uncle's uh, family grew up there. They, they moved from Spain and settled into La Mesa. Um, and at the time, in the 1940s, there was a small town a settlement of 13 people my uncle's um dad and sister they grew up in this one room house um in the town uh one day uh my aunt my uh my aunt who is a who is my great sorry my great aunt who was uh 14 at the time she left the house in the middle of the night to go use the restroom which was an outhouse at the time um but she was gone for over two hours when all of a sudden she burst through the door crying and hysterical um they tried to calm her down they tried to ask her what was wrong they tried to find out what was going on and she couldn't get the words out about what happened and what she saw um up to that point until she was 14 she was an absolutely normal person um fun loving um just a regular happy um happy teenager um, from that point on, after that fateful night, she was institutionalized, and she's been there ever since uh, for the last 55 years. Um, nobody knows what happened, she, and she has refused to talk about what it was she saw and what uh, caused her to become the way she was. Um, I have a couple of theories. Um, I personally believe she saw um, a, maybe a spirit um, because I have a close friend that... Um, also saw a um, the what they call the man in the black hat uh, when he's a child in New Mexico in Las Cruces which is the same town that my uncle lives in now um, I also heard a recent story about a um, an actress that was on the set of Texas Chainsaw Massacre and her stand-in um, was a perfectly normal person and when she sat in uh, when she was in one of the rooms that they were filming in uh, she came out crying and hysterical, uh, saying that she saw a lady rocking back and forth and uh, chanting, what are you people doing in my home? And she was never the same ever since that after as well. Um, so I think she may have seen something um, incredibly unexplainable that um, shocked her and changed her forever. Um, but 
who, what do I know? Uh, my second story, this is a personal experience. Um, I've never been one to believe heavily in the paranormal or the supernatural, but when I was um, eight years old, I was uh, walking across the street from my childhood, my childhood home with my best friend at the time, and he was coming over to my house for a sleepover. Um, and all of a sudden, we're in the middle of the street, and above us flies a triangle-shaped craft that had lights across the entire, uh, all the, I mean, all sides of the triangle. Uh, it flew over us and headed um, east towards Arizona. Uh, so at the time, I was eight. This was 1998. Um, and my parents believed me. A lot of other people didn't. A lot of people always asked me about it, and I started getting stressed out about how much people would try to get information out of me or, or tease me for seeing an alien ship, quote-unquote. Um, but uh, just two years ago, my dad reached out to me and sent me an article about the Phoenix Lights, which was a 1998 um uh, phenomenon where there are multiple space uh, aircraft sightings um, in the sky, all shaped like a triangle. Um, and so when I saw the picture and I read the article, it was exactly um, what I saw when I was a kid. And it was during the same year as well. I don't know if it was the same month or date, but it was for sure the same year. And I lived in Southern California at the time, and that ship uh, flew over my house eastward toward Arizona, and uh, which is where the famous Phoenix Lights took place. So now i think more than ever i think uh we're not alone in this in this universe uh for sure so um but yeah that's uh those are my two stories henry thanks for having me on uh i hope these uh bring some happy chills and uh exciting uh thoughts though uh going forward in the holiday season happy halloween man hi my name is sandy i'm calling from east los angeles california and i have a ghost story uh, well two actually the first one is from my sister. So this is while she was at work. Um, she works in an old building in downtown Los Angeles um, near LA Live. And it was, it used to be a bank and it was converted to a bunch of offices. And um, so she's in there with a, working with a lawyer. So she says that she has a lot of activity that happens at her work. And uh, one instance in particular, uh, she was in the she had to go to the storage area to go get some some uh, items for an exhibit that she was creating, her and a coworker. So these lockers that they have, um, just to kind of give you an idea. So in the movie Annabelle, uh, when that lady goes into the storage area, there's like those gated lockers. So that's pretty much what they have. So um, so they go to this area so they can get you know all these um, all this information so they can uh, build these exhibits for the lawyer that they worked with. Um, and while they were in there, just like, I guess they kind of felt a little weird because it was really creepy and dark and, you know, but they were like, okay, we just got to do our work. And all of a sudden they hear this growl come out from out of nowhere, this just disembodied growl. And my sister, she's just so like, okay, that was weird. Are you hungry or something? Is your stomach growling? No? Okay. So uh, I guess we'll just finish this and then we'll go. <laughs> so yeah. So this, so she said that that's only like one of the things that happened. Um, that's, or that's happened. Um, she says sometimes uh, people will have stables shot at them uh, just out of nowhere. Um, they'll have, they'll feel like uh, something's in the bathroom with them. Lights are flickering. And uh, yeah, that place is just like all kinds of fun for them. Um, so a lot of people just don't like to be there um, late in the evening. Um, so that's that story. Um, my second story, it's a little longer. Um, 
So this is my grandmother's house, my mama's house, and her house. Um, so funny story. Uh, it's kind of like the poltergeist story where it was um, houses built over a graveyard. So removed the headstones, didn't move the bodies. So hilarity ensues after that. Um, so one time, uh, and I guess this kind of turns into a Black Friday story, <laughs> a haunted Black Friday story. Um, so one day, um, or one Black Friday, my cousin said that her and uh, her and her mom and her aunt and uh, her siblings were going to go uh, shopping on Black Friday. And my grandma, my grandma wanted to go. So they're like, okay, so we'll go pick you up like around <laughs> like four or five in the morning, uh, whichever it is. And so they all kind of jump in their van. And my grandma only lives like down the street from them. So they're just kind of a little swing by, pick her up and then go. So they get in the van, they go by. And so they're kind of just waiting for, uh, just to see if my grandma starts coming out, you know, cause she knew what time they were, they were gonna come by. So they were kind of waiting. They're like, oh, okay. So um, like, where is she? It's kind of weird. And um, my cousin's aunt actually looked to the side of the house cause there's a front, there's a front part of the house and there's like this little tiny table where people can just kind of sit down in the front uh, of the house. And she saw my grandma standing there with a white veil and black outfit, just staring away from them. And she's like, oh, she's right there. They're like, oh, okay, well, um, I wonder if she knows we're here. Maybe she can't hear the car. So they're like, they roll down the windows. They're like, um, mama, mama, you know, we're here. And you know, still nothing. So they're like honking. <laughs> of course, at four o'clock in the morning, they're honking like, hey, do, I mean, don't you hear us? Like, we're here. And they're just like, she just does not acknowledge them at all. So they're like, well, that's weird. I can't believe she can't hear us. She's like waiting for us. She knows that we're coming. She's in the front waiting for us and nothing. And so my aunt just got frustrated. She's like, okay, let me just call her cell phone because maybe she just can't hear. So she calls a cell phone and as she was calling her, she saw the light inside the house go on. And then my grandmother answered the phone, the inside. And she's like, oh, hey, sorry. Um, I, I overslept. I, I, you know, uh, I'll get ready really fast. And she, my, my aunt just, just started panicking. Like, what? What do you mean you're inside the house? You, you, were, you know, and she's just like panicking. They're all like kind of like flustered. And they're like, what the heck? You know, and then they look um, to the corner where that, for that person was standing and just gone nothing there so whatever it was you know this one it, it was just kind of boggled their minds because they thought it was they just looked like a solid person white veil black um dress like something you might see a little lady wear at church which is you know and they just thought they were like i can't believe it like who was that there was no way she could have like left and you know it's kind of weird too because um that she was this lady was by my grandma's front door and we rarely used her front door we always went through the back so the fact that she was kind of just standing out there like in the corner um of her front yard you know it was just very unusual i mean in all the years i've known my grandmother she was only there like maybe once so that was a pretty pretty weird time um i mean that house has just always been 
so many stories have come out of that. Um, my cousins have lived there. My uncle still lives there. And I can totally tell you more stories. I mean, my dad, even my dad, who's doesn't like ghosts, he doesn't like to even talk about ghosts. He even he had an experience there where he was cleaning their refrigerator. And uh, from the corner of his eye, he thought he saw somebody look over, you know, over the uh, door of the fridge and kind of look at what he was doing. And he automatically thought it was my grandmother. So he's like, just explaining what he was doing, how he was cleaning. And then he looked up gone and then he's like wait hey where'd you go he's like and so he went to go look for her and she's like in her room doing something and he's like well why did you walk away she's like what do you mean why did i walk away i've been in here the whole time so those are my stories um i have way more from my sister and from my grandmother's house so maybe i'll call in another time with those thanks so much happy halloween Hello, my name is Dr. Jean-Pierre Gignoli. I hold my PhD in parapsychology and run the Southern California Paranormal Detectives, and I got a couple of scary stories for you. Uh, so the first one took place in November 2005. It was a particularly cold November, and we were investigating uh, with my co-founder, Adam Catabona, and a few friends, groups of people who went out with us investigating in the early days of the Southern California Paranormal Detectives. And uh, we've been to this place many times. It's known as the Cobb Estate or Enchanted Forest, Haunted Forest. Uh, it has many nicknames up in Altadena, California. And uh, this particular evening, we had a lot of strange events occur while we were doing our investigation. I want to say we had about a group, about uh, 10 to 12 people. Now, we've gone to this place many times before, uh, but this particular time we had a lot of strange stuff almost immediately begin to occur when uh, we started, uh, you know, kind of hiking the trails and hanging around the old mansion foundation. Uh, a little bit of history, uh, the Marx Brothers at one point owned the mansion that was on the property that is now part of the Los Angeles National Forest. Um, and, you know, it's a hiking trail now, but uh, definitely lots of stories of hauntings and paranormal activity there, and we investigated many times. But November 2005, uh, so we began uh, later in the evening, already after dark, I'm going to say 8 or 9 p.m., and we began our uh, ascent uh, to the area uh, from, I believe it was Lake Street, uh, if I'm correct, uh, about the, uh, the road it's on. Um, and we're walking, we have uh, infrared cameras, we have temperature equipment, we have all kinds of stuff. And uh, again, it's particularly cold November, we're walking around and it's pretty cold so we all have jackets on and everything. And uh, as we begin to walk, we realize there's this like heat, like pocket that's following us and it feels like it's it's moving with us as we move and uh, to test it we used our temperature equipment and we didn't find anything abnormal going on uh, with the temperature but we we tried to mess with it so we we changed directions uh, you know we went different ways and it seemed like this this heat pocket was just following us everywhere so it's definitely very strange uh, as we're walking around we're investigating not too much is going on it's kind of quiet um, uh, but we do have some things eventually occur. So as we continue hiking, we go a little higher up the hill. Uh, and on one of the hills, that heat surrounded us again. And everybody felt it. And, you know, we tried to not uh, give anyone that's with us, um, you know, answers to what's going on. So I usually like to ask, like, do you feel anything? So that way I'm not giving them any suggestions of what might be occurring. But we actually get real-time responses and what they're actually feeling before I say anything. So I'll be like, do you guys feel that? 
It's like, yeah, it feels like it's getting hotter. And it's like, yeah, okay, that's what I feel too. It feels like there's a pocket of heat. And we had stopped to kind of like, just again, try and figure out what, what is going on. What is this being caused from? Could it be the rocks in the area emanating the heat from the day? But it wasn't a particularly hot day that day. Um, and we didn't find any abnormalities with the heat on the rocks uh, that were near us. Um, and as we're sitting there talking, I feel something grab like uh, my forearm. And we actually have footage of this. Uh, there's video of it looks like a hand print on my jacket that's grabbing my, my forearm. Um, that lasted a couple seconds and it was gone. Uh, it was definitely interesting. So we decided to continue investigating. We go around, we're filming, we're asking questions. Um, we went down into an area, it was kind of a little, I called it a cove of trees. And as we got down there, that heat surrounded us again. And we were like, it was it was cold for a little bit, like it was, like I said, and then that heat followed us again. We're like, oh, that's kind of strange. Okay, whatever. And then again, it got kind of cold, that heat went away. Um, in that little cove of trees, we discovered couple of piles of rocks with what looked like stick crosses in them like somebody maybe had buried something and we don't know what it was um we didn't want to dig or anything but it definitely looked like somebody had purposefully placed these rocks and those little makeshift crosses on the rocks um one of the team members went up and touched one of the crosses the moment that that occurred the heat just enveloped us like it almost like it's rushed in and just surrounded us and we were like whoa did you guys feel that and all of a sudden me and other people started seeing like red eyes appear in the trees but there was you know and on the canyon walls and there was nothing there that would have caused that there were no animals we had flashlights we had infrared cameras we would have been able to see that unfortunately we didn't capture that on film uh, but we definitely saw it, and other people saw it too. And again, whenever things occur, I try not to give people, hey, what was that? You know, I don't say exactly what it is. I say, hey, you know, did you see something? Get a description from them, and then try to, you know, cooperate and validate what we saw. Um, so that heat really felt uncomfortable. Our medium that was with us said, yeah, we need to back away from this. I, I feel something strong, like we need to back up. So we started backing up. And then, of course, because we had just regular everyday people with us, they kind of freaked out when that happened and people started running. And in the chaos, I kind of got stuck in the group and I saw my co-founder had fallen down. He tripped over a rock or something. So I broke through the crowd, went to pick him up, made sure he was OK. And as I'm lifting him up off the ground, I look back and the tree's shaking. And that's what caused everyone to run. This tree, it's a pretty big tree. Like, it wouldn't be able to just shake on its own the way it was shaking. Like, the roots were lifting out of the ground. Um, so, uh, it was it was crazy. And as I'm picking up my co-founder, I look back and I see the tree stop shaking. And all of a sudden, what looks like, uh, like maybe 10 feet tall, kind of like a werewolf with a long snout but also horns, but it's transparent, kind of glowing green, and it charges out of the trees, but it doesn't charge at us. It looks like it charged up one of the hills, almost like it was gonna cut us off, because the way we were running, we had to go up a different path to get out of that area. Um, that was one of the most intense experiences, and how to describe something like that is difficult because I've never seen anything like that before. Uh, it definitely seemed like a, some sort of non-human spirit that was most likely the way it felt, protecting whatever we had discovered there, that makeshift rocks and crosses. 
very interesting. And one more thing occurred actually before that incident, which was really strange. So there was uh, a man who was hiking. He had a ton of lights on him. He walked by us, he said hello to us. And he just kind of vanished, it looked like into a wall. So we all saw him, we all said hi to him, and we followed his path and it ended into a dead end. He couldn't have climbed up where he had disappeared at. Every one of us saw this person. So that night ended up having a ton of strange things occur. And uh, it was really interesting. So after a little bit, we calmed down. We stayed away from those trees again. And uh, we decided to go back. We didn't want to go all the way up to it because we didn't know what we were dealing with. But uh, we kind of stayed a little further back from that little cove of trees and just, you know, uh, had video footage. Uh, we were recording and trying to capture anything. And you could actually hear, like, sticks and leaves crackling and, and breaking like something was walking inside of that cove of trees. And we knew nobody was there. We had our cameras trained on it. You couldn't see anything. And that was definitely a very intense experience that we had early on investigating. Uh, so that's one story in November of 2005. Um, very interesting story. So my next one is a lot more intense. It was a private residence, so obviously I'm not going to give too much information. But um, we were uh, investigating a case in Bellflower, California. Because uh, we were located in Southern California, as you can tell by the name of my paranormal team. And uh, seemed like a typical case. You know, we ask all the questions we need to before we go out and investigate. We had the whole team there. We went late at night. Um, the moment we stepped out in this case, uh, I mean, activity began immediately. Like, like it, the cameras weren't even rolling when everything started. So we step out of our vehicles at the client's home. And immediately on the second floor balcony of their home, a metal chair dragged across the balcony by itself. Nobody was up there. Uh, there was other people in the home, but nobody in that bedroom or on that balcony. And you could see it, and we heard it, and everybody witnessed it. Of course, we didn't have cameras rolling because we didn't realize, you know, what we were exactly walking into at first. But that was definitely interesting, and we got our equipment out immediately. And we didn't have... A ton of activity happened uh, that was capturable. Um, there was stuff that did occur. Um, we had an object fly, I think it was a towel fly across the bathroom um, when one of the team members was using the bathroom in the home and we didn't have a camera in there for obvious reasons. Uh, so we didn't capture that, but that was really interesting. Um, during uh, some of the EVP and EMF sessions we had in the living room, there was another bathroom downstairs, and while we were doing the EVP EMF session, uh, the client's younger child and one of my team members actually witnessed a woman in a bloody dress. Very vivid descriptions, the boy and our team member witnessed this. Definitely very interesting. Um, and we don't know exactly what it was related to because we didn't find a lot of history on the property itself. The area has history, but the property itself doesn't have a lot. So we were having a hard time figuring out why the activity was happening on the property. So what we ended up doing is uh, during that same session where they witnessed the uh, woman with a bloody dress, the client's uh, sister came home from a job she was working, which was late at night. Now... It was odd when she entered the home because we were all sitting in the living room. The door's very close. She entered the home 
somehow very silently and kind of just almost ghostly went by us without us really noticing and we heard the door and that was it and we asked who it was and the client said oh it's my sister she's getting home from work and it was like oh okay and everyone just got an eerie feeling like it just they came off that that something was off um well, we weren't sure what it was yet but we would find out eventually in the evening so we continue investigating at one point since we didn't have a lot of activity happening in the house we decided we want to leave the home and leave our equipment running inside cameras audio all that kind of stuff and see if we capture anything while the home was empty so the client waited outside we took a trip to the corner liquor store to get some drinks and snacks to stay up um and we returned about 4 a.m four in the morning and as we're sitting outside the property all of a sudden everyone that was there the client and the team we hear like Native American chanting taking place and it sounded like it echoed through the entire neighborhood like somebody was throwing a powwow or there was a big event going on. This is middle of the week, 4 a.m. and we could not explain where it came from. So of course as investigators we immediately jump into action. Some of us jump into vehicles, others go on foot and we run around the neighborhood. Now we're trying to figure out nothing. 4 a.m. dead silent. We heard it uh, but it, nothing else was able to be discovered. We were gone for about 15 minutes searching for a source and we couldn't find one. And so we returned back to the home and as we enter the home, we're doing a head count and we realize my wife, who's a member of the team, is not there. Now, we broke up into teams to go look for the source of this, this Native American chanting and music and we thought that each team had my wife with them, but they did not. Um, so immediately, obviously, we freak out. We're wondering, is she okay? What's going on? So we end up leaving the home. We see she bought an icy at the liquor store. It's sitting in the middle of the cul-de-sac of this property, uh, where this property is located, and we don't see her. So we're about to jump in the cars and go search for her. And as we're doing that, I'm walking towards the corner, and there she is on the corner of the street. I start talking to her, and she's kind of out of it you know blank she can't respond too well she just says like i was here the whole time and we were all very confused because i walked that exact path to return to the home she wasn't there uh, the other team that drove a car drove past that she wasn't there so we didn't know and she just said i'm fine you know forget about it we'll talk about it later okay cool so we go and we start wrapping up the investigation as we're doing so, I'm breaking down cameras, we're grabbing our equipment, putting everything away. Now, I'm on the stairwell grabbing one of our cameras, and all of a sudden, I feel like this giant source of energy is, is coming down towards me, right? I, I braced for impact, that's how intense it felt to me. And as I look up the stairs, who I see coming down is a small, petite Latina woman. She walks past me, and again, that un... That un describable un uncomfortable feeling hits me like it did when she first entered the home while we were investigating and my gut instinct is that she probably has something to do with the activity in the home so we're all breaking down the equipment i'm walking around the house and the client's sister her eyes do not leave me for a moment i go behind walls to grab equipment and move around and her head is just following me everywhere and i'm just like She's really staring at me. I don't know what the issue is. So anyway, uh, we're finishing up. I have two pieces of equipment left to put away. And my gear bag is right next to the couch where she's sitting. 
So I go up, I put my gear away, I catch eyes with her for probably a few seconds, right? Maybe five at the most. And all of a sudden, my chest got super tight, and I couldn't breathe, and my eyes started to water. It was the first time I ever ran out of a home. Um, I rarely do that. Um, I'm very calm under pressure and crazy circumstances, especially dealing with the paranormal. But at that point, I felt a risk to my health and safety, so I decided to get out. My wife chased me out, asked if I was okay. I said, yes, but I'm not going to go back in that home because right now, whatever happened to me, I, I don't feel okay. I don't feel safe in there. Go grab the equipment. Let's call it a night. Um, so as we're leaving, we tell the client what we experienced. Give us about a week to go over all the uh, evidence and see if we captured anything and we'll get back to you. And then I asked her, is there anything you are not telling us? Because to be honest, your sister is giving off a very strange vibe to me and my inclination is to say that she may be responsible for the activity that's occurring here. And um, she told me, well, I didn't tell you guys this, but my sister has had some problems with her co-workers and they were like doing witchcraft on each other. But my sister doesn't really know how to do witchcraft. And immediately I knew what was going on here. Whenever you deal with something that you don't understand what you're doing, you can cause a lot of problems. And I believe that that is the major source of this activity in the home. Uh, if the sister was practicing witchcraft and not understanding what she was doing. Um, and then if there's other people obviously doing witchcraft on her, and if those people understand what they're doing, it can also be an issue. So um, that's potentially what happened. So the last bit of this story, which was very crazy, was the next day, me and my wife wake up after the case. Um, she tells me what happened. So she said, as she was standing on the corner, everything became black. And she just felt something very close to her, right? Almost animal-like, breathing on her. She could feel the moisture of the breath. It was that close. And uh, all of a sudden, she was back on the corner. She doesn't know where she was at. She couldn't see, but it was definitely crazy. Um, also... Uh, where I felt tight in my chest when I caught eyes with the client's sister, I had a circular, what looked like a burn mark on the center of my chest where it got tight and I couldn't breathe. Um, that was also very strange, and I've never had any physical, you know, evidence left behind from any of my investigations besides that one. And that was years ago, I want to say maybe in the 2007 range, 2008 uh, is when that case occurred. Uh, so that was definitely strange. Uh, the last bit of this, which was one of the craziest, we went back to that corner spot that night right before we left the property. We decided to go back in the spot where my, my wife had disappeared with her. We walked up, we hit the spot, immediately my wife collapsed and I had to catch her. And she was just like, we just need to get out of here. So we ended up just leaving the case, you know, going over evidence, getting back to the client, and uh, we haven't heard from them in a, a very long time. We don't know if they resolved it, but... Uh, it seems like we did get to the root of the problem, and they may have even turned to religion to solve uh, whatever they were dealing with. But definitely an intense case, and a few intense cases that uh, are memorable from my 20-plus years of investigating the paranormal. Thanks for listening. Hello, my name is Angel Nieves. I'm from New York City, and I have a lot of stories of the paranormal. And one of them is happened to me like 30 years ago. I was working at the Empire State Building as security. I took a break, went downstairs 
and to the basement where our locker room is and knotted off, off a little bit. I um, actually somehow something woke me up and I saw like something came out through me. It was like a spirit and was saying, help me. So I actually, um, I just got up and I left. You know, I didn't expect something like that. But um, later on, when I when I um, was the end of my shift, I went home and my, you know, my ex-wife at the time told me that um, her father passed, and she said that her father saying, "Help me," was because he was taking medication and he drank. And he called like an overdose, and we saying, "Help me!" His own mother was saying, "I can't save you. You're gonna die before me." So I told her how the guy looks like her father, and I gave the script of what I saw, and she told me that was her father. Then later on through the years, I went to Puerto Rico, and I saw a picture of her father. Now, now, all this happened of him saying, "Help me." was in Puerto Rico and I was at the Empire State Building in New York City. It's a lot of miles there, it's very far. And somehow he communicated with me and that's how I found out later that he died. Hey everyone, it's Christy again from the Paranormal Perception team. Um, and I'm back and I'm here to share some experiences that I've had uh, in Los Angeles, uh, in Hollywood, actually, uh, this past year. So um, I'm going to talk about the Roosevelt Hotel, which, if you don't know, is one of the oldest hotels in Hollywood. Um, lots of famous people have stayed there. Charlie Chaplin, Marilyn Monroe. Um, supposedly, they have a mirror that Marilyn Monroe used in her room and you can still see her in it. But... That's not what the story is about today. Um, the story took place, uh, I don't quite remember actually, but it was definitely, it was during a ghost tour. And, you know, we went, it was my first time ever in this hotel, even though I had heard about it for years. So it was really exciting, but um, they kind of walked us around and then they took us down to the pool area, which is, a little bit hard to find if you don't know where to go, so I'm really glad I had a tour guide when I went. Um, once you get in there, the vibe completely changes. Like, the hotel itself is kind of like very old Hollywood, um, and it's like, it's, it's, it's immaculate, it looks pretty, but it's like dark and like moody inside. And then when you get to the pool outside, it's, it's kind of what you expect it to be, but the energy is definitely different. Um, <clears throat> all of the lounge chairs are still set up so you can hang out there they have a bar that's open until like you know one or two in the morning so people usually will go there and hang out uh after they've gone to some of the bigger events in hollywood uh but when i was there i remember you know hanging out talking to people uh we were all getting drinks just kind of like chit-chatting and then i remember seeing a little girl in blue running around on the other side of the pool um and if you know anything about spirits and like seeing things it's not always like with your immediate like eye so it was kind of like in my periphery and 
and no one else had seen it, so I couldn't really prove it. But, you know, in talking to the tour guide, what I found out was um, there was actually a little girl who passed away, who actually drowned in the pool uh, quite a long time ago before they had, like, lifeguards and safety features and and all the things that we have. She was about um, six years old, and I don't know if the tour guide knew this, but I think, but she was wearing a blue dress, and... um, the pool at the Roosevelt actually has a painting inside the pool, which at the time was like it was commissioned, but then the county tried to come down and tell them to get rid of it because it was illegal, uh, because it made it harder to see people in the pool. And I realized that that little girl's story, I think, was tied to that because she was wearing a blue dress and she kind of, no one could see her drowning when she fell in. Um, So that was my first experience there. And then going back upstairs, I actually got the image of somebody who had jumped off of the roof. Uh, And then in my own research later, I found out that there was a young man who had done that in, I think the seventies. And just a wave of emotion hit me. Um, A lot of like, just, apathy and just like really kind of yucky feelings um that it just it's nobody seems to have really talked about it except for like one article that i could find um but so yeah so that's that's the rosebud hotel and um lots of really interesting energies there if you ever come to hollywood and get a chance to come visit i would say go check it out i just want to wish everybody a happy halloween and a very merry spooky season My name is C.L. Thomas, and I have a scary story to share with you. A few years ago, a group of friends and I went on this overnight hiking trip, camping trip, out in the Tennessee woods outside of Memphis, about maybe an hour outside of Memphis. And it was a national, not a national, it was a state park that we went to and the campsite that we wanted to stay overnight in was about a six hour hike into this place. So we spent the entire day hiking in, hiking all of our gear in. And it was about, um, maybe about an hour before it was gonna get dark. And so we built our campsite, pitched our tents and built a little fire. We had a little dinner that we did. And lo and behold, night comes along and everything's great. It was really pretty scenery and just a really nice time with friends. There was three of us and we had two dogs with us. So maybe around 10 o'clock in the evening, we're sitting around the fire and all of a sudden coyotes surrounded our campsite and started calling. And if you've ever heard a band of coyotes calling all at once, it was the strangest, most eerie sound ever. So they were all around us, all around our campsite, screaming and calling and cackling. And maybe about 15 minutes into all of this noise, we heard a really deep guttural scream coming out of of the woods, probably within, it sounded like it was within 30 feet of us, 30 to 50 feet of us in the woods. And it's pitch black, you couldn't see. 
we did have flashlights. We were trying to flash our lights around to see where that sound came from. But yeah, when that sound happens, it shut the coyotes up completely all around us. Everything went dead silent. There was no crickets. There was no, we heard an owl before that. There was nothing. It was just dead silent. We were really scared. And so for the rest of the night, we didn't sleep. We were afraid to pack out in the dark because we didn't know what that sound was. We built our fire as high as we could get it. And then the next morning, as soon as the sun started coming up, we we got the hell out of there. That's probably my most scary story. So there are the stories. Well, not all of them. We have one more. Crystal, you have one final one. You opened up this this year's Halloween episode. You get to close it. So what's your what's your second story? All right, guys. Are you ready for the story of the possessed boy? This happened in about 2009. I was babysitting three boys while I was doing a nanny job for a very busy mother. And she hardly had any time to spend with her kids and to spend time speaking with me because she was really busy single mom so my job was really to be like a second mom to these kids and I was there overnight about a year into this job one of the boys started telling me that he was having nightmares and when he would wake up he would see what he called a scary old man staring at him in his room. At first, I just tried to calm him down and, you know, let him hang out with me for a little while, read a book to him, maybe put a nightlight on and just go about it that way. But it kept happening for a few months. He would complain about seeing this creepy old man staring at him. Now, remember, I told you mom was super busy. So whenever I, you know, tried to address this with her, she said, oh, I trust what you're doing. You're doing the best thing you can. So I just went with that. This actually was my job. So I was happy that mom was pleased with whatever I was doing. At this time, I wasn't as aware of what I should do in a situation situation like that. Um, I was much younger than I am now, so I just wanted to say that. Well, we're approaching the little boy's birthday, and he starts seeing this ugly old man more and more and more. On the day of his ninth birthday, I go over for my shift, and his mom was there but she had to leave she had to rush out to work and she wanted to sing happy birthday to him quickly so she was rushing through singing and um, I'm standing across from him lighting the candles on his cake but something is off he's just staring at me actually he's glaring at me and I'm looking at him like what's wrong right and I'm trying to get mom's attention like hey something's up but she just has to go So she waves goodbye and she runs out and I'm still there with the kids 
and something's just not right. He's glaring at me and I can kind of just see right through him and see that this isn't him. This isn't the little boy that I know. This is something else. I'm not going to say someone else, something else. As soon as we finished the birthday song, he didn't even blow out his candles. He's just looking right through the flames, right at me. He comes towards me. He grabs my wrist hard. I mean, I, it was hurting me. And he is saying, Miss Crystal, Miss Crystal. I, at that moment, knew this is something evil. And I grabbed his hands off of mine and I said, stop right now. Go over there and sit down and you're going to stay with me for the rest of the night. You're not to get up. I didn't know what to do, you guys, but I wasn't talking to him. I was talking to something else. We sit down. I let him open a gift to distract him from whatever's happening. And he plays with this one truck that he opened for about three hours straight. He's sitting on the floor right next to me. Uh, with the toy truck just rolling it back and forth in the same pattern for about three hours. This behavior isn't normal for a 10-year-old, and especially on their birthday, or a nine-year-old, especially on their birthday. He doesn't talk to me for those three hours. I try to engage in contact with him, but he's just very monotone. Um, Every question I asked him, he would answer, yes, Miss Crystal, no, Miss Crystal, almost like a robot. Finally, after a few hours passed, he starts shaking and looking in the direction of where their bathroom was across the room. And he says, he's there, Miss Crystal. He's there. And he's staring right at me. Look at him. And I look over there and I don't see anything. But I asked him, what are you seeing, hun? And he said, it's the old man. It's the old man that I see when I have those nightmares standing in my room. And he's in the bathroom. And I'm like, okay, well, what does he look like right now? And he said, he's bloody. He has blood all over his face and he's hanging by his neck from the shower. I just went over and shut the door to the bathroom and something told me to turn on every single light in the house. Now, they're still kids. They still have school the next day. Even though something creepy is going on, I had to go put them to bed for the night. That night, I decided to not only leave his nightlight on in his room, but all the lights in every single room in the house. I turned them all on and I just sat in fear for the rest of the night. I could not sleep. I couldn't even get a wink of sleep because I was terrified and I didn't know what to do, you guys. So the the night goes by. Everything's fine. Um, I go home the next morning and I was still living with my parents at this time. So I go home around five o'clock in the morning, open the door. Usually my parents are still sleeping. Uh, To my surprise, my parents are sitting on the couch looking at me like they wanted to say, who's going to tell her first? And they didn't actually say that, but I just, I could feel that. And I'm like, what? And they're like, well, last night something terrifying happened. They said this happened at their house around three o'clock in the morning. They thought someone was breaking in because they heard shaking and banging on the walls. So they get up and they run around the house. They run outside the house looking for whoever this might be, but there was nobody there. When they went back in the house, my mom sees 
this huge giant wooden cross made out of solid oak wood it used to be hanging above the door and it was like bolted down with special hardware because it was a really heavy cross it was probably about almost two feet long and wide this thing was about 12 feet away from the door that it used to hang on and there's no way that it would have just fallen like that no way and we decided to play around and do our own experimenting there was a mat under the door um like a welcome mat and we would drop the cross like from where it was hanging on the wall and every time it would fall down it would just fall directly down on the mat and it would barely make a thud sound because the the mat was so thick so had this thing just mysteriously fallen at three o'clock in the morning it really wouldn't have made much noise and it probably wouldn't have woken them up with that big you know shock that they and fear that they woke up in that someone was breaking into the house so later on that day they decided to call their church that they went to and the deacon came over to the house later that week and he did um, a blessing on the house for the second time because every time my parents would live in a new house they'd always get it blessed so he came over for the second time and he did his own assessment of things and i was there he said this i sense something evil was here and it did not want that cross on the wall and that cross was thrown off the wall at three o'clock in the morning and if i have to come back to this house again if you continue to experience this stuff I'm going to recommend doing an exorcism on your house. Well, this was happening the same time that this other stuff was happening at the possessed boy's house. So I can't really prove that it's connected, but it's just too weird, guys, right? So did things continue to happen? Yes, they did. Not as severe, but you know things would like touch my mom or she would hear voices and um she would look at the bed while something was touching her shoulder in bed and it wasn't my dad so there were some things that continued to happen at my parents house and there were some little knocks and things that continued to happen at the boys house but nothing like before now remember i told you i, I really didn't know how to deal with this stuff back then so what I suggested to the mom of the boy was go ahead and start letting them go to church with your family. I never told her the story that happened because she really didn't have the time to spend with me. And I just was, I didn't think she would believe me or what would she fire me and say, my nanny's crazy. Right. But I just told her, you know, there were some behavior problems going on with the little boy. And I said, it's probably a good idea for you to let him start going to church with your family on Sundays. And that'll give you a break from the kids. They can go to church all day. And she did take that advice. And the boy started attending church regularly. And as far as I know, things got a little better or much better. Now, nowadays, I would definitely have a full on conversation with her and I would make a lot more recommendations. But that's the story of the possessed boy and that is how the halloween episode for 2023 closes off pretty good one so it, this is the end this is the end of uh our our season our month uh but this is panel perception doesn't end on here we're gonna go the last two months will be back to normal back to paranormal i'll say 
However, I will say that I know a lot of you, you were looking forward to it at OC Paracom when we're going to record you live, your ghost, your ghost stories live. That didn't happen. The virtual one, we couldn't do it with you guys then, but we did have the panel. But I know all of you love sharing your experiences, your ghost stories. You know how we do Christmas and anybody that, that just discovered Paranormal Perception, the way we do Christmas on Paranormal Perception is, of course, spooky. We tell ghost stories because back in the 1800s, that's what Christmas was. Christmas was basically Halloween. It wasn't what we think of when we hear Christmas today. So it was, it was, you know, the, the, um, the story, the Scrooge story. That's, that's, it came from that time. That's why. Cause a lot of people believed a lot more and told ghost stories. They would gather for Christmas. It was usually snowing. They would turn on. The uh, the fireplace, turn on whatever heat they had to have some coffee, something warm and tell ghost stories instead of exchanging gifts and all the stuff that you that, like I said, we all know about Christmas. So that's how we celebrate Christmas here on Paranormal Perception. And because we didn't get to do it for Halloween, we'll do it. We'll bring it back for Christmas. So I'm going to put you're going to do it. One, you can do it one of two ways. I don't have it up yet. It'll be there soon ish. On paranormalperception.show, the website. If you're not there, go there and you'll be able to record your story. I will say, like always, keep it to at least five minutes just so we can get it, we can give everybody a chance because I know a lot of you are going to send in stories. So if you have a 90 minute story, well, cool, we'd like to hear it, but probably not for the, for the Christmas episode. Leave it to five, at least five minutes so we can get everybody in. Uh, and you guys, a couple of you actually did it a few years ago. Some of you sent in spooky songs. If you want to do that, go right ahead. We'll play those also. Those don't have to be five minutes. We'll play the whole song. But if you want to do a spooky song, you can. It's the same as a Halloween episode. It could be, doesn't have to be Christmas related, but it just has to be spooky. You can make one up. You can talk about something that happened to you. Uh, Chris, do you have any Christmas story? Anything that happened to you on Christmas? I can't. Not that I can think of, but I might. I have so many. I'll have to think about it. Yeah, so you'll probably hear some from Crystal. You may hear one from me. I actually do have one that I haven't shared. I may share that one. But uh, you can do you can do it either on the website. Like I said, the second way is on your phone. Everybody's got a phone today that has some kind of recorder on it. And most, most of you know how to use it already. So use your, your recorder and, and uh, send to me, Henry, at paranormalperception.show. That's the email. Henry at paranormalperception.show. Then we'll collect them all and we'll play them back on uh, on the Christmas episode. But like I said, getting back to normal here, the last two months, they'll be shorter because both months, November and, and December, November gets interrupted by Thanksgiving. And, and uh, you know, we all go on break there. And then it gets interrupted again for Christmas and then New Year's. We start a whole new year. And the season finale this year, not sure what we're going to do, but... Because of the way things are going, I have a feeling that somebody in this room right now, probably not me, so that leaves one other person. I may ha- we may do another, um, what do you call it? Uh, what's that called? Update? No, no, no. <laughs> predictions. Predictions. Oh, okay. I'm going to say prescriptions. At this. That's not <laughs> no, pre- not that. <laughs> no, a- another prediction show. We did that back in 2020 for obvious reasons. You all remember 2020. So everybody wanted to know what the hell is going to happen, what's coming next, is this- is everything going to get any better? Well, has it? Leave it up to you. 
but we'll definitely do that. We'll do a, a predictions episode. Uh, Crystal, you'll probably do some. We'll probably bring some numerologists, palmists, and other people and see is is the world going to get any better? Is the world still going to be here in 2024? That we'll, we'll answer those kind of questions. And you know me, we don't sugarcoat anything here. So if the answer is no, we're not going to be here, we'll know, and then we won't be here. That's a dark way to end the Halloween episode. But there you go. There is the Halloween episode. Everybody have a safe, happy, but of course, spooky Halloween weekend. Crystal, again, happy birthday to you. It is your birthday weekend as well as Halloween. And we'll be back next week for a new Crystal's World and the new Paranormal Perception. Thank you, guys. Happy Halloween. While you wait for next week's episode, you can follow the show on TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram, all under Paranormal Perception. Did you miss any OC Paracom panels? You can find them and more on the show's new YouTube channel at Paranormal Perception Vids. Find contact info at paranormalperception.show. That was another audio production from 22 Creations Multimedia, LLC.